0: Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Welcome back. This is episode 84 of the High Life podcast. And today I'm speaking with Erin. She is an awesome client of mine inside our Best Weight program. And she's going to share her success story. And Erin is, I truly believe this, about you. And I think you know this, that she's such an inspirational woman. She's married. She has two kids. She's got two rescue pups. She loves being active. She recently completed a triathlon, which is on my bucket list. So I'm like, wow, it's oh, amazing. Um, and Erin works as a marketing professional, bringing events and brands to life. So she's got a lot going on. And all of you women, I wanted to bring her on so that you can just hear how she has changed her relationship with food and her body and let go of dieting. And in doing so, achieved so much success, not only in her weight, but it just in creating her best health and her best life. Right. So that's what it's always about. So, welcome, Erin. I'm so happy
1: you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today.
0: Yeah. So great. So, um, maybe you can just give a little bit more background. I mean, I kind of I shared a little bit about you, but tell yes, us, Yeah.
1: Tell us about Erin. Yeah, I think definitely in the context of this conversation, I'm someone who has had a lot of like weight fluctuation over the years and kind of this odd relationship with my body. Being an athlete my whole life, it's such a a tool and powerful and strong thing for me. So to have that experience of not liking like who I am in my skin and not feeling comfortable was always such a conflict for me. Mm. And when I was moving and playing sports, I didn't feel that. But when I stopped and caught my reflection in the mirror or something, I just felt like I wasn't aligned with who like who I felt on the inside wasn't aligned with who, what I looked like on the outside. So, and I was just feeling really tired. and then that didn't align with the kind of person that I wanted to be and be for other people and be for myself. And I just wasn't showing up in the way I wanted to show up in the world. So, that's why I That's why I reached out and said, I think I caught your video on TikTok. It landed on my page. The algorithm caught me and said, this is something that you need to hear. And definitely to said that it struck me as something different. And I think I didn't have the words for it at a time. Why it struck me or like even diet culture. I mean, obviously, I understand the concept, but didn't really realize how much diet culture was was an, it had an impact on my life until I really started doing the work and mm-hmm. not, not afraid of doing work and not, not afraid of working on myself. Something that's always been a part of me. And this is just that one area that I really feel like I hadn't, I had not been winning lately and I wanted to win.
0: So isn't that, it's so interesting because I think a lot of women would hear you and you identify, you self-identify as an athlete. You've just done yeah. a triathlon so what was the disconnect? Do you think of, you felt not in your skin you felt like you weren't doing it in this area. So where was that disconnect?
1: Yeah. I think that I, I think it really came down to eating and my relationship with food. And mm-hmm. it's not even really my relationship with my body. Cause it's not like I had, like I had really embraced the body that I've always been in. That's never been a size two and really been okay, comfortable with that. But I think that my body wasn't moving as well. I think I was in menopause. I uh, had surgery that took me into menopause in 2020. So that definitely changed the game a little bit for me from a physical point of view. And just the idea of get kids getting older and wanting to like having more time for myself to dedicate for myself yeah. and thinking... Am I acting? Am I truly acting like I, I identify as an athlete, but I felt like when I'm around people who I would look at and go, those people really are taking this seriously and living consistently with every part of their life that wasn't there for me on the eating side. And I thought I, I eat healthy, but I didn't really realize some of the things that that I was doing that was like, that I wasn't, that the emotional connection that I had that was holding me back. From being stronger and having more energy and sleeping better, and all those things that kind of came along with getting getting healing that relationship with food, mm. and that came from, I think came from diet culture and different medical issues over the year that years that caused that up and down nature of my weight that just kept getting worse. One of the exercises in the workbook in the program is you actually plot on a graph your weight. Mm-hmm. It was so scary to see that. I'd never really thought of that. I didn't actually think I was a yo-yo person, but when I actually sat down and plotted it, looked yeah. back on different notes that I had and different over the years, diaries and notes that I had taken on what my weight was. was. This is, yeah, okay, no wonder I'm in this program. This is, there's something going on here. This is not just, this is not normal to be up and down like this. There's something external that's impacting me. And I need to figure out what that is and get aware of it. Yeah. So
0: you mentioned a few things. You mentioned the emotional connection and you mentioned just kind of like that food piece. Can we talk about both of those? Yeah. What have you figured out there?
1: Yeah. I think like the one thing where I'm giving people like high level learnings for me from the program and passing on to other people saying not eating when you're not hungry. And that was probably one of the biggest things for me that seemed like a simple thing, but it just, I wasn't mindful enough to think about that. Yeah, I know I was grabbing snacks here and there and having an extra drink because I I felt like it, but understanding what was under that, why was I overeating? And because I wouldn't think if you sat down at a table with me or went out for dinner with me, you wouldn't think that I was an overeater. Right. But somehow my weight was just climbing up every year. And then I, had other effects from that joint pain and things like that and sort of just getting to the root of of what was driving the food and the like the consumption and it not always being hunger and what was it and sort of dealing with that and so i think that was one pit taking like taking a beat to sort of think about why am i grabbing this and i would do these things where I work at home alone and I would drive to the convenience store and get like a Coke and chips or something like that. Make a huge effort to do that, to get food that wasn't serving me. And then make sure it's all gone before anyone comes home and sees that I had this, put the wrapper at the bottom of the garbage. And then, so the next time that came up and I did a concept called urge surfing where I was like, why am I doing this? What am I like? What was driving me to do this? And like, how will I feel after this? And could I just wait this out? And it just, I mean, it's one of my favorite concepts from the program Mm -hmm. and I do it all the time and I don't, I have to do it less now after being in the program for nine months. But yeah, so that was like, I think understanding that and then just, Bringing things from the subconscious to the conscious, my consciousness of being mindful of, like why I'm grabbing something, and then, am I overeating my meal? Am I full? Can I eat slower? I wouldn't say it was overly fast, person. I'm not the kind of person that felt like I had to finish my plate. But sometimes you just mindlessly finish your plate, and there's oh man, I need to undo my belt, and it's just really unnecessary. So sometimes you just you make a serving. This is the amount that I always eat. And little things like, okay, I'm gonna have a hamburger, but I'm gonna cut it in half. Let me eat the first half, and then see how I feel. Do I still want the yeah. second half? Yeah. So that idea that was probably a really big thing, and and restricting the idea of that the program teaches about I shouldn't have this or I can't have this. Really trying to, and I actually knock, I kind of knock down that language when I hear it in other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's hard it's hard to talk to other people about it when you don't have all the background but a friend of mine just was going on a vacation and she said oh this is going to be bad i know i'm going to i know i'm going to overeat and gain 5 pounds and she hadn't even left for the vacation yet and she already had that mindset in yeah. there so just that kind of stuff i think is just changing those habits that you have and that thinking that you've had for so many years Yeah, I'm 55. So I grew up in the 80s where it was like no fat and low fat and no fat was the big thing. No one really talked about protein. People weren't still drinking like water all the time. So it was definitely like a different, like those formative years of eating. Mm -hmm. Like I remember looking, going to a grocery store once and looking at these no fat potato chips and then, just in a small writing, I said it said warning may cause loose stools. And I think, like, what <laughs> am I doing? Why am I eating this? <laughs> like,
0: that was back when they used to put Zenical or Orlistat in the potato chips to make you like poop out yeah. the fat, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. that kind of stuff, like it, it, it does. That was that was a mindset. Like that was an I mill like an intelligent, confident person. And I was reaching for these chips and almost bought them. If I didn't see that little warning, I probably would have bought them. And so I think that's the some of the stuff that I had to reverse, but still yeah. try not to judge myself about yeah. the decisions I made in the past or yeah. the emotions that were coming up and yeah. not building shame into things yes. because yes. I like have those moments that, You didn't make the greatest choice, but then you like beat yourself up about it for the next day. And I think that's another thing I learned from the program is to just move on from those things and learn from them and try not to do it again. But if you do, learn again and keep. Yeah, it's okay to keep making that mistake until you finally realize like what is serving me. And yeah, that's probably another big lesson. And then as far as, uh. I never really being a, counter, a calorie counter, but and I remember once when I start and when I started the program, someone said to me, "I just don't get it. It's just calories in, calories out." And I think you've done some videos on this too. And I was like, oh, "I got to be prepared with an answer for him on this because it's it's he has no he had no idea how my brain worked in my relationship yeah. with food yes. and like he's about the same age as me, but had a completely different life experience." around yeah. that and just said it's just math like yes it's just math like exercise yeah. more eat less and yeah. because there's no there was no other baggage for him around that yeah. so that's a it's a really hard thing to explain I still think it's I still find it hard to talk to people about the work so I just sort of say just made it my own and didn't feel like I need yeah. to always I'm one of those people that if I find something good, I want to tell everybody about it, whether it's a sale or a new product or something and, and something I'm doing. So I really had to resist that because it did fail a couple of times having those conversations with people. And I think I might've had told you the story. Maybe I told Teddy, my coach, the story of, I was talking to a neighbor about it and she said, oh, it's just like Noom." And I was like, oh, well, okay. It's roughly the same concept, but with medical doctors with people you're with supervised professionals coaching it but yes it I mean the similarities are that it's getting into the mindset part of your relationship with poop but that's kind of where the similarities come yeah that's where it ends yeah people want to just put it in a category yeah and I think that's as a marketing and branding person it's I find it I, I, I look at what you're doing and I see it is a struggle to communicate what it is because it is complex And it's a different experience for everybody. So I think what you do where you have your videos that you pick one piece of content and tell people about that, it's great. Or offer people a free masterclass so they can get just enough of information about it to say, okay, I kind of understand what this is about. Yeah. That I want to be part of it.
0: Yeah. I love yeah. that. Like, I need to come to you for some like branding and <laughs> marketing advice because you're right. It, it's hard yeah. to communicate because people are expecting just another diet. They're expecting another right. meal plan. It, they don't understand like that is just not what the problem is. That's never the, it's like offering a solution that isn't, it's just not the right solution for the problem that you're having. Right. And so many of the women who come to us, they've, they know all that stuff. And I, and I, yeah. I say this and I will say it again. You I heard you say it. Yeah people have enough knowledge. They have enough nutrition yeah. knowledge, right? It's about how do you take action on the knowledge that you already have? Yeah. You don't need to go research something else. You don't need another right. guide You don't need to go like on Pinterest yeah. and find some more clean eating recipes. Like it's never going to be about that. And so, yeah, and just like being able to communicate that to people. And just the fact that you said it is a different experience for every single person. There's definite similarities in terms of the relationship with food side and the mental chatter around food right. and what has been conditioned from diet culture oh now you're you're cheating or you're a bad person Mm -hmm. because you went off your plate like all that we have to dismantle so everyone's environment
1: and everyone's stress is so different and i've being on the group calls i hear people talk about how they haven't even told their spouse that they're in the program because they don't feel like they're going to get supported that's not the same for everybody some people weigh themselves multiple times a day that's not the same experience for others. There's all like a really range of things. And I think that's why that small group atmosphere or that one-on-one coaching uh, approach is like the only way to do it because mm-hmm. it is not a one size fits all yeah. solution. And yeah. it's work. I mean, I always call it the work because it yeah. is work. You have yeah. to want to be, doing it. it is not a quick fix. Yeah. And if it was a quick fix, we would have all figured it out. Yeah, and it's not, and you're like, and it costs money because you're involving medical professionals. Like, it's not some, it's not a book you're reading and that's going to solve everything that's been building up for the last forty years for you. It's, yeah, that's why, that's why it costs money and that's why it takes time and it's not a quick fix. So yeah, that's part of this the the brand or the solution that you're you know putting out there to the world and you're. Early in this, it's not like there's tons of companies out there that are doing. There's actually tons of companies that are doing something that's coming like fly, an obstacle for you that's flying in the face or contradictory to what you're doing, which is odd. There's, I mean, I guess there's other examples of sustainable co- clothing brands that are fighting against fast fashion. That's kind of what you're doing. yeah. <laughs> you know? yes. You've got so a true. big, big, big industry that's making a lot of money and is very um powerful against you and they don't want to lose their business they actually don't really want to hear what you have to say but yeah. this is not working for people so
0: yeah i know and Aaron me. i'm happy you brought this up on the podcast cuz i always yeah. think like i could make so much money if i just sold some like quick fix supplement or here take this goji berry pill mm-hmm. <laughs> i would be so rich but yeah. it would go against all of my integrity and I just can't do it. And so you're right. There's just no quick fix. And I loved your analogy of it being like, we're trying to do sustainable fashion and in a fast fashion world and trying to really make a difference in people's lives when it, it's unfortunately because people get preyed upon by this diet industry, people have to like get to almost a lot of the women are at like these rock bottom moments by the time they're like, yeah. okay, you know what? I'm willing to try something different now because I realized the 10 times I've tried these diets before didn't right. work. Yeah. And I wish like I need, that's my job, I guess, is to like better communicate. Yeah. Please stop doing that Please know yeah. that it's not a quick fix solution, right? Cause we have to do this mm-hmm. differently. So I want to talk about the work for a second mm-hmm. because you talked earlier about and we talk about this in our program a lot is like the idea of conscious eating, because you don't even know you're overeating a lot of the time. Yeah. And if I say, when I talk about overeating, a lot of people are like offended, right? They're like, I'm not an overeater. Like I'm not, cause they think binging. Right. right and and i have to actually educate people to be like no you know what every time you're eating when you're not hungry it's actually overeating when you're finishing your plate those three extra bites yeah. when you're actually full that's overeating and it's not a judgment thing at all it's just becoming conscious and getting out of that autopilot that you talked to yeah. about and that's kind of the work as you describe it yeah sometimes women and one of the kind of concerns women have is what's the time commitment going to be like how am i going to fit this in and you're super busy you got mm. a lot going on so mm. Talk about that. Like, how have you made this work for you?
1: Yeah, I think that from a time commitment, while you're in the program, obviously you have to just AA or anything like that. You have to do the work. And there is a de- definitely a time commitment of going through the worksheets, meeting with your coach or meeting with your small group that you're in. But I don't know, it never really felt, even though I refer to it as the work, it never really felt like work because it was something that I was, like a gift that I was giving myself. Mm, that's and such a great mentality things mm-hmm. thing like and obviously meal prep like being prepared is there's lots of programs that talk about that but I think this program really hit that home for me is being prepared do, don't do get caught without a good protein bar in your purse <laughs> like <stuff> like <laughs> that or some something that you can grab that will fill you not spike your blood sugar and it let you continue to do your like go about your day and thrive. Cause I think for me with the, with the overeating part, it wasn't like giant volumes of eating. It was actually overeating because not eating like yeah. I was skipping lunch and then I just like gorged whatever when yeah. I got to it or I was out and I went, Oh, I don't want to, I'm in a mall. I don't want to eat in the food court. There's nothing quote unquote healthy for me to eat here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait till I get home. And now I'm starting, I'm I'm grabbing like the first thing I could see. That was the overeating, big thing, overeating for me. The other overeating thing was the emotional connection to some foods going. It's cherry season, or like my mom makes these butter tarts just at Christmas. So I'm going to have six in one sitting, like that kind of stuff of having that emotional connection to certain foods that are rare, or you don't get very often, or I'm in Italy. So I'm going to eat this, eat too much pasta or more than I need pasta, amount of pasta, that kind of stuff. So I think for me, I think your question was about time. And I just never felt like it was too much time for me. Uh, it, it was just, and I know there's definitely, I my kids are teenagers, but people with little kids are, are in a different sort of, how much time they have for themselves. But I mean, I think it was no more than like an hour a day, which is, I think everyone can find an hour a day in their schedule and fitting in that, the fitness component to it and being consistent with the fitness and I I think that's always I think that's always a challenge and that's what you mentioned on my triathlon earlier and that was the big thing that I wanted to set a big goal for myself when I started the program two weeks later I bumped into somebody at a party that told me she signed up for a triathlon in August and I was like that's it it just hit me that's what I have to do I haven't done a triathlon for 15 years that's what I have to do if I want to get back to feeling my true self or my authentic self, I need to do that because that's something I used to do. So even though that seemed like a really lofty goal and lots of, I hadn't done any of those sports for multiple years, setting that big goal got me there. And then the fear getting close to the triathlon was like, what happens after? And now mm-hmm. I have to set another big goal or I'm going to completely fall off. And it's interesting. I'm still it's just like a, it's just like a mind game really. <laughs> Cause I, so I t- did the triathlon and then for the next two weeks, I couldn't get motivated to do anything other than just like going for a walk. So on Sunday, some of the, some of the group is some of the people in the program are doing a 5k together. So I'm like, okay, I yeah. gotta, I actually got to go for a run. I'm like, doing this 5k with other people in a few weeks. So I, I had in my head, I like, I've taken these two weeks off. I'm so out of shape. Even though I just completed this triathlon and trained <laughs> for nine months, yeah. I had in my head, and I'd done all this work and improved so much. I was like, I had in my head that I like couldn't run. I'm not even going to be able to do 1K. So, And my a couple of my usual running people weren't around. So I was running by myself just with my dog. So got a great playlist. I, I was in the forest and I took a wrong turn. And so I had planned in my head, okay, I'm just going to do a 4K route and just don't push myself. And hopefully I'll walk around if I have to. So I ended up taking a wrong turn, got lost, ended up doing 6K and and pretty well ran all of it. And I was like, what actually happened was so far off of what I had even driving Mm -hmm. up to the forest in my head and the week leading up to that Sunday run, it completely wasn't. It was just like a a complete mind game. and I just, so it's just that I needed to have those like small wins fitness wise.
0: Yeah.
1: And one day walk around the block once, went the next day, the next week, try to walk around two times and it like triathlon sounds like big and lofty, but there's small triathlons. There's little, there's triatries, there's flat triathlons that are a lot easier. There's lots of different things that you can do. Whatever your fitness goal is, just try to do something a little bit better than you've been doing. And it doesn't have to be like doing an Ironman or running a marathon. Mm-hmm. It could be something that's a challenge for you. And I think the idea of doing something outside of the co- your comfort zone was really helped me stay on track. And I'm a competitive person. So one of my... Well, let's talk about that. One thing I'd love to talk about is the success criteria. It's also one yeah. of my favorite things in the program. Yes. And I did not like... It took a little while, but I love that. Document. I think I have thirty success criteria. Yes. So one of the one of the exercises is to, uh, right at the beginning of the program is to set up success criteria that are not weight related, and yes. that was I thought it was really fun and an opportunity to be creative and really say what do I really want my life to like look like and feel like, and so completing the triathlon was doing that, but. Some of the things are in there, just like running 5k without having to have a nap after doing it and other things like wearing, just not feeling I have to wear all black when I'm exercising, wearing more colorful things when I exercise, doing crow pose and yoga. So I haven't, which feels like a hard thing to do when you don't have a full yoga body and it's just, wow, well, will I ever get to the point where I can do that pro? And, so I haven't achieved all my success criteria and I think I'll probably just keep adding things because I have achieved some of them, but it's always a good reminder. It's like the thing you put up on your whiteboard to, to remind yourself like why I'm in this and it's it's not about the, the weight and the, I mean, I don't know how you express the weight, but to me, it's like a byproduct of the work that you're doing. Yes. Like, so you're doing the work so and hitting those success criteria. You can't help them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like what you said earlier. It's about living your life, right? right. Like at the yeah. end of the day, like how do we lose sight of this when we we were like so obsessed over the scale and this number? Isn't that just facilitating you living your best life? Like isn't that way yeah. more important? And so I love that that you brought that up. And I want you to talk about, you said that the discomfort was a really important part for you. The discomfort of having a big goal. Tell us more yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that, I think you get really comfortable as you get older, you get really comfortable in this is who I am now at 55. And you look back on things that you did in your twenties and thirties and kind of said, not how thin I was in those are like what I weighed, but like how I moved in my body. And mm-hmm. it feels like so unattainable to kind of be there. So I think to almost shock myself into really giving myself a kick in the butt, I had to set something really uncomfortable and sort Mm -hmm. of sit with that. And it's just like the decisions around food too. sitting, doing that urge surfing and sitting that for that 20 minutes, trying to say, try to understand I'm just going to wait this out I'm not going to eat this or eating that half a hamburger and and then waiting to see if you need the other one is just that patience and that sort of sitting in it and feeling it and kind of owning it so I think that doing something big and for me doing something public like I'm declaring that I'm doing a triathlon in August And believe me everyone's checking in to see how my triathlon went so I better do it yeah yeah, And then it's, when it started, it was like, I just want to, um, I just want to, I just want to finish this. Yeah. I just want to get through and not, I don't want to, I want to train and not be injured. I want to have a healthy training season and I want to complete this. Like I thought I'd like to do it in like under two and a half hours. That was kind of the only goal that I had set for myself roughly. Considering in the past, I had done it in two and here I am like 15 years later, okay, I'll give myself to two and a half hours. And then I went, got there and and one of my success criteria is get my creative juices going. Mm -hmm. And playing sports and being involved in things that you're keeping score was an important, one of the things that I also did over the last nine months as well because that's something that's very motivating for me. So then I got to the race, saw everybody standing in the water. And when the whistle went, said, I'm racing this. I'm actually not just trying to complete this anymore. I'm actually racing this and I want to be, have nothing left at the end. That's that's where my mindset shifted. And I think Nine months ago, my mindset would have been just like it'll be good enough for me to just complete this. That's yeah. something to look forward to. And mm-hmm. I think the uh, confidence that I gained in the last nine months got me, or eight months got me, to the point where I could say, "No, I'm like I'm targeting people, and I want to pass them on the bike. I want to pass that person on the run. I I want to do I want to do the the best." And really, and I did have nothing left. I was just yeah. Ready to conquer at the end of it, and was really happy with my time. For me, I mean, yeah, I think I came in three hundred and sixty fifth out of seven hundred. I'm like, I'm cool with that. I, yeah, I don't need to amazing. be. Let's be realistic about what my abilities are. So I think that those things and and going through that exercise of setting out your success criteria and understanding that setting some big goals, not just going to the pool and training, like really knowing that I needed something like a race or making a team or winning a Mm -hmm. game or something like that, or beating my husband at tennis or whatever it was like, I knew I needed that for me. Mm -hmm. So that was Mm -hmm. part of the plan. And just knowing yourself to know how far you can push, because I think when it comes to athletics, sometimes, you know, if you get competitive, you can get injured and then suddenly really set yourself back. And that was my, one of my biggest fears was pushing myself too much, but also trying to get myself going.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this idea, we talk so much about embracing the discomfort because the discomfort is where our growth happens. And I just, I think that there may be some women who are listening and they're like totally intimidated because they're like, I, I can't even tell you how far I'm barely like walking. Yeah, I can't even imagine getting to a triathlon, but I, yeah. my, what I would just say is like, wherever you are at, there's that opportunity to just, let's like, just take the next slightly uncomfortable step where you're outside of your comfort zone. Cause that's where we, we, our brain tries to keep us safe, tries to keep us in our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think of actually, there was another amazing mom in our program and she had really struggled with kind of self-worth at the beginning. And then she started she did her first tough mutter. And then recently mm-hmm. I saw on Facebook she did a tough mutter with her son. I was just like, so yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. Like, that's amazing.
1: To do the
0: things that are uncomfortable because that actually gives us the opportunity to build our confidence, right? Our self confidence yeah. when we're like, oh, wow, I actually did this thing that was terrifying for me. And look, I didn't die. <laughs> and that was actually okay. And then you yeah. keep continuing growing that way. So I think that's right. what you doing this triathlon, that's why I think it's so incredible and so inspiring to me because that's what it represents, right? Is like taking yourself outside of comfort. So thank you for yeah. sharing that.
1: And I think one of the sex success criteria for me was, as I said, wearing colorful workout clothes. Yeah. And I happened upon a tri suit. It's like a unitard, first of all. I've never worked out <laughs> in anything like that. That was floral <laughs> and really bright colors. And I yeah. was like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So it was really interesting when I got the photos from the triathlon and saw that. And I just think, yeah, like I loved how I looked and I people on the course were saying to me, I love your kid, I love your suit. So it was, I think that it, it was very me and that felt very authentic to me. And I, when I look at my, and you may, you're saying, oh, you do a triathlon, I've never met me. Then you, and then you see these pictures and you're like, okay, you just look like a regular person doing a triathlon. You don't look like a quote unquote, a triathlete, right? So I think it's great to go to an event like that where it's all women, it's a comfortable environment. Everyone's super supportive. I did the whole run with someone that was a complete stranger. And we were just like, okay, let's run to this driveway. Then we're going to walk for 20 meters. And then a complete stranger, we picked up and ran a 5K together. 'Cause it's the last, it's swim bike runs. So it was the last yeah. thing. So I needed that. And the friend that I was doing with was at a different place in the race. So so that camaraderie and you never realize like that kind of thing could happen. And even if you aren't athlete, there's a ton of people in this event that I wouldn't self-describe as an athlete. But I feel like it's if you have a body, you're an athlete. That's I wish more women felt that way—that they are an the mm-hmm. athlete and they can p- potential have that potential to do to do great things with their body because it's super yes. powerful. And yes. and not—I mean, lots of lots of people are like, "I can't run; my knees are shot, or whatever." But there's so many other great things that you can do um, and feel that rush and be part of a group event or a yeah. race and in a very supportive environment.
0: So so good. Your body is powerful. All right. Just, is there anything as we're closing? I think my hope for this podcast is always that we leave women with hope, right? Because yeah. I think there's just been so much hopelessness in in weight loss and in diet culture. Is there anything you would want to say? What would be your message to someone who just isn't, is like not familiar with this work or is even considering it, but is scared. Yeah. And is just, maybe I just need to try another diet.
1: Yeah, I think that, for me, the biggest thing is the care of everybody on you know the the Sasha High team that really cares for you mm-hmm. and has a ton of knowledge. So just that that empathy and the actual medical knowledge. I mean, it is the secret sauce, I think, to because you can have people who are really smart and know a lot of stuff, but they don't really care about you, or people that care about you and they're well intentioned, but they don't have all the facts. So to me, that's that's the specialness of this program and the superpower of the team. And everyone that I've encountered on the team has been really consistently living those values of the clinic. And if you're willing to do the work, it's worth it. I think that would be my like piece of advice. And I think everyone, yeah. I don't want, I would never want anyone to feel hopeless. And I think just invest in yourself. And this is a great invest. It was a great investment for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Erin. I think just to summarize with your words, your body is powerful. And when you're ready to do the work, you come reach out to us, sashahimd.com slash bestweight and you can book a call with me. I'd love to chat with you and you can have a success that isn't the same as Aaron's because you're different from Aaron, but is equally like life-giving, right? And that's what this is about living your life. So thank you, Aaron, for coming on. Thank you for sharing so much. Amazing.
1: Thanks so much, Sasha. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today.
0: If you enjoyed listening to the high on life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.